you men think too much of yourselves. We can be career women. Why don't you just stay home and take care of the kids? I can make enough money for us to live on. Man, it's probably better for you to build virtual empires playing video games instead of building the kingdom of God. Just bow out of society because otherwise you're just going to upset the culture. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in the Wilkes-Barre and Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube and Gab TV at 9 a.m. every Sunday, where these are uploaded and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You will find us in person every uh, Sunday between 4 or 5 p.m. out in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square, as well as Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square. So long as it's not pouring rain or something happens out of our control, that's where you'll find us. We would love to meet you, and you can come and uh, be a part of um, God's resistance as we proclaim the gospel message out there in the public square, and we sing songs, we pray with people. We want to see you there. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call or text at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Today, I want to talk about being men. It's Father's Day. Uh, And I want to direct your attention to 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It reads, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. There was an article called The Feminization of the Church, uh, Why Its Music, Messages, and Ministries Are Driving Men Away by Holly Pivik. There's some quotes here. Our whole society has tended to deprive men of their biblical and creational strengths and empower women, another person, John Stone, said. Men's absence is especially noteworthy, they said, given that men were a strong force in the early church. Other religions seem to have a gender balance or even more uh, men than women, including Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Islam. Nancy Piercy, she says uh, in Total Truth, liberating Christianity from its cultural captivity, says as a result of the feminization of the church, many people think of church only as a nurturing place that addresses personal needs. Piercy said, think sitting in circles, sharing feelings, holding hands, singing softly, comforting members. Promise keepers say when a mother comes to faith in Christ, her family follows 34% of the time. But when a father comes to faith, his family follows 93% of the time. The gospel that Jesus and Paul preached is revolutionary, and it's worth giving your life to, a man heir said. But part of the reason guys aren't involved is that we've sold them a milquetoast gospel. Excuse me, this is a lady saying this. We've sold them a milquetoast gospel. We don't paint it as big enough 
or God is awesome enough to be compelling. The picture now painted is less warrior type songs uh, in the church now. It's more about feel good, uh, flick the lighter, hold it above, wave your hands in the air. There's less songs about God's holiness and justice. There's just more feel good songs. To reach men, churches should stress the cost and dangers of following Christ, including Christians' conflict with the world, the flesh, and the devil, according to someone named Pottles. David Moreau wrote a book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. In some, women thrive when secure and men thrive when challenged, he said. Men lead the charge and bring the women security. Masculine strengths are often seen as unneeded or as threats to the peaceful status quo, he said. Why has this happened? The feminization of the culture. We've got gender confusion now. We've got the, the, the thing people call the man bun. Men have long hair and they've got their hair up in a bun now. Men are wearing capris. Um, it's, it doesn't make any sense. You bring this back into the 1950s, uh, people would have then what's going on here? This is wrong. And then the feminization of the culture, we see uh, income inequality, where if you actually, you could do a Google search yourself. If you look up that, uh, the statistics that say that men uh, on average are making more than uh, women, it's an inaccurate um, talking point. It's just not so. The statistics do not bear that out. Racism is the problem. Statistics show uh, that this is like the call in our culture. Racism is the problem. This is what's going on. Statistics show, however, that fatherless homes are the source of the feminization of culture and the troubles of our culture. Because in fatherless homes, they are the source of more crime, a decline in learning, lower income, drug use, and jail. So what does the Bible teach? You know, our culture is the way it is, but what does the Bible teach? We need biblical men. That's what the Bible teaches. In Corinth, uh, you, there's first and second Corinthians in the New Testament, and Corinth was a city in, in the ancient world. Corinth, uh, there was gender confusion. In Corinth, there was just confusion in general. They were so bad that even the Roman Empire made a verb up saying to Corinthianize because of the things that were done in Corinth were so bad, so wicked, so messed up, so not like the rest of Roman culture. And Roman culture wasn't, you know, that moral and pure either. But it was so bad there in Corinth, they made a verb up saying to Corinthianize. And so this is where we are right now. What are we supposed to do? The Bible says we need biblical men. And I read to you the, the uh, scripture portion in the beginning, watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So let's start with that idea here of watch ye. Watch. <clears throat> what is that supposed to mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. In defining that, it means to be alert, to give strict attention to something, to be vigilant, to police yourself. There's times in, in a tyrannical governments or, or even anarchic kind of situations where people stand up and they become vigilantes. They have to take the law into their own hands because there is no law. And without that, things are going crazy. So when it says watch ye, it's to be alert, to give strict attention to, to be vigilant. You are to take the, the matters into your hands. You take responsibility. Uh, there's a book written by Jocko Willink uh, called Extreme Ownership. That, that could be probably something of this too. Taking responsibility, taking ownership, doing something about it. So what do we need to watch? First, we need to watch against evil. 
And we say, okay, well, we're doing that in some respect. You know, we, uh, we're watching the evil that's going on in our culture and in our society. We're watching the evil that's going on in government and all that. But it starts way farther back than there. We need to watch against evil in yourself. We need to do that in ourselves. No one else is going to do that for us. We have to monitor our own hearts, our own lives, our own thoughts, and we've got to watch for the evil in ourselves. And that's as men. And I'm speaking specifically to men now, though this could apply to women as well. But men, watch evil in yourself. Also, <clears throat> watch evil in your family. If you've got a family, you're made to be the protector, the person who stands up and, and, is, and is guarding, right? Is watching out for people. You watch for evil in your family. You watch for evil in your brothers and in your sisters. You watch for evil in your community. You watch for evil in society at large. 1 Corinthians 6.2, we read, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? This is what's going to be handed into the hands of the saints in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how it all pans out, but that's what the scripture says. Men, we need to start standing up and being that, not in an overbearing, tyrannical, uh, you know, male chauvinist kind of a sense, but in a truly right, holy, and upright sense. We need to stand up. We need to take responsibility. We need to watch against evil, starting with ourselves and trickling out to our families and out into society. We need to watch for evil. We need to put a check on that. Two, we need to watch for opportunities to receive good. So let me ask you a question. What are your personal influences? We have to be, are your personal influences intentional or are your personal influences unintentional? Because whether or not we make a choice, we've made a choice. You understand what I mean? We should be making our influences be intentional. I know that there's people that are entrepreneurs and, and have wanted to climb up this, the ladder of success. Instead of hanging around people that do nothing with their lives, they intentionally read books or tried to be around people that were higher up than they were because they knew if they were going to move up at any point in any way, they needed to be and keep company with these people because they needed that influence in their lives. Men, how are you allowing influences in your life? Are you doing it intentionally or unintentionally? We should find out what we're supposed to be doing and then intentionally put the, the right influences into our lives and not allow those things that are going to influence us for the wrong direction. What are you feeding your mind and your heart? What kind of books are you reading? What kind of movies or films may you be, are you watching? What kind of articles do you read? Which kind of YouTube videos do you have? What's on your social media feed? What consumes your time, your thoughts, your heart? These are important questions. You are trying to filter all things so that you can accomplish the highest good. There's a lot of things to waste time. We're in a world full of distractions and God help me too. In order for us to filter everything out so that we can take the things that are worth it so that we can aim at the highest good and do the highest good, in order to do that, we must receive the highest good ourselves. Number three, not only do we need to watch against evil and watch for opportunities to receive good, we need to watch for opportunities to do good. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith or other believers. You are the servant, the waiter. And what I mean by that is, uh, you can go to a, a restaurant, right? 
And my wife said that she was in Italy and they don't ask you necessarily all, they, they do, there's one point where they're asking you what you want, but then they also just take up different kinds of food and start plopping it at your table. And then if you pick any of that food off, they'll charge you for it, even though you didn't ask for it. And they'll just keep bringing you loads and loads of things. And they start to figure out what was going on. In our culture, that wouldn't be acceptable because you would think to yourself, waiter, I didn't want any of this stuff. Why are you bringing this stuff over here? But a true waiter will look at the table, they'll see and anticipate your needs and be ready so that when you need something, they're there. <clears throat> they're going to fulfill your needs. That's what we need to do. We need to be watching around for opportunities to do good and starting first inside the church, the household of faith, as the scripture says. So watch for the opportunities to do good. Watch over each other in love. So obviously we talked about that in family setting. Then in the church, we need to watch over each other in love not judging each other and beating each other down, but looking and saying, hey, if somebody's falling, I need to stand up and I need to help them. They need to know that. I don't want them to fall. We need to watch over family, church, and society. We're watching over everybody in love. We're seeking out people's highest good. And by the way, seeking out people's highest good doesn't always mean that it's going to be soft and fluffy teddy bears. Sometimes we have to speak hard words that are uncomfortable even for us to speak, but it's the right thing to do. So we need to watch over each other in love. We need to take mutual ownership in the family of God, kind of like a military brotherhood. Everybody has their own place. Everybody has their own job. And yet at the same time, you're so linked together so perfectly that if one of your people's fall, you don't just want to let them fall. They're, they have an important part in the whole picture. You want to lift them up. That's how we should be acting in the family, in the church, in society. The manner in which this is done is in love. And as I said, it's not just always this soft effeminacy. But love sees what's right and goes after it. The reason you're watching over one another is because you truly love and care for them. We can say we love somebody, but the Bible says love not in uh, word, but love in deed and in truth. Uh, we, our love needs to be displayed. Number five, we also need to watch that none may draw us aside from the belief and unity of the gospel. So we can be diverted from the holy way through sin and idolatry. We read about that in the rod of the Chaldeans against disobedient children of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, the people of God, the Israelites, they were God's chosen elect people. And yet God used a wicked and tyrannical nation to overtake them and to basically give them a good spanking, if you will. Jeremiah 6, 8 through 17, Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate, a land not inhabited. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall throughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the, uh, turn back thy hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken or listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I'm weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days, and their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, every one dealeth falsely. They have healed also the herd of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there's no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. 
Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and seek and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein? And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also, I set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. So Jeremiah said, I couldn't hold this in anymore. I needed to, to, to sound off the rebuke. I needed to give them the warning. They're in big trouble. In our society and culture right now, that would be looked at as toxic masculinity. That would be looked at as unloving or unkind. And yet it's probably the most loving and kind thing that any of us could do. If we see people in danger, we don't just watch them burn. We go rescue them. That's what we want. We can be diverted from the purpose of preaching and teaching. First Timothy 1, 6 through 7, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. 1 Timothy 1, 19, holding faith in a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, faith in the gospel, in mind, heart, and actions, good and clear conscience. These are things that can be put off when we get distracted by the world. So first, we can be diverted from preaching and teaching the truth. We can get, we can get all messed up inside of this woke uh, thing that's going on in our country right now. And by the way, wokeness is a direct opposition to gospel salvation. I'm not saying that we as Christians shouldn't hate racism and all these other things, but if you look at the woke ideology, it's the people that are the minorities automatically get the moral high ground. Whereas the scripture says the people that are, are morally right in his sight, they're the ones whom God is pleased with, not the ones that just have you know some thing that really wasn't in their control, the color of their skin, their gender, all this kind of stuff. That's not how God looks at things. God says, you're living in wickedness, repent. And the people that repent have God's pleasure on them. The people that don't have God's displeasure and wrath. So we need to be careful and not get diverted from preaching and teaching the true gospel. And also we need to be careful so that our faith is in the actual gospel and that we maintain a good and a clear conscience. And he says, watch ye. This is your responsibility. It's not God's responsibility and it's not someone else's responsibility. You watch. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance.com gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. He said, watch ye, then stand fast in the faith. Stand fast means to stand firm, to be like a rock. The house on the rock stood firm, the Bible um, story song says. So it means to stand firm. It means to persevere, to, to persist. Keep going. Don't give up. You're charging forward. You're on a mission. You see a vision ahead, a vision that keeps you going. Hebrews 11, 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, the mantra goes. That is standing fast. Standing fast is also to keep one standing. So keep your convictions, the things that you would die for. Don't, don't jeopardize those. Don't compromise on that. Keep your convictions. Keep your standing. You stand with truth no matter what. He says, watch ye stand fast. Stand firm. 
persevere and keep one standing. What are we standing fast in? I guess, first of all, we should say for what? Because bullheaded stubbornness is not a virtue in and of itself. You've met people like that, and I've met people like that. They're extremely hard and difficult to get along with. However, a bullheadedness and a stubbornness to align yourself with truth and not compromise is entirely different than just being bullheaded and stubborn because that's your attitude. We are to stand fast in the faith, not a faith, but the objective faith, like Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The faith once delivered to the saints. Not many times. This is very exclusive. And so must our allegiance be. Our allegiance must be exclusive. The world was framed by God. This is part of the faith. This is our worldview. God created all this. The moral law most of it comprised in the Ten Commandments. Morality in general, there's only two genders. Man and women are the only marriage in God's sight. We're against the murdering of babies dubbed as abortion. We're against all the ills of culture that go against God's design for human beings. We're not against them because we're stodgy and we just don't like people to progress in thinking. We're against them because they're destructive and they're wicked and they go against all God's created intention. The faith is the atonement of Jesus Christ, that he shed his own blood for yours and my sin so that we can be saved, that we can be filled with the Holy Ghost, that we can have a clean heart. The faith is for the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And because of that, we can go to heaven if we have the faith in Jesus Christ and we have victory over sin because we've repented and put our all in his hands. We need to have in the faith, also standing fast in the faith for evangelism. You and I need to spread that faith around us. Some are evangelists and some are, we're just, we're Christians and we love Jesus Christ and we want to share that with other people. We are standing fast in the faith that Jesus is coming again. The second coming of Christ is a certainty according to the scripture. And that should then help us to also have judgment in view not only in our own lives and hearts, but as we talk with others, there is a judgment coming. Christ is coming again and there's a judgment coming where he's going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. The righteous will go to heaven and the unrighteous will go to hell forever and ever. There is a heaven and there is a hell. This is what we are to watch and to stand fast in. It is the faith of God, the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then he said, quit you like men. What does that mean? Well, to be a man is to act manly, to show oneself a man, to be brave. Does this just mean macho strength though? Strength of inward virtuous fortitude is what I'm talking about. Not just, you know, some kind of meathead that's got a bunch of muscles and likes women. That's the, that's the basest part of a man, you know, to be strong and to be attracted to women. Those all need to be governed by a strength of inward virtuous fortitude. We're in an effeminate culture. We're told to be quit you like men. And we're told about toxic masculinity, that it's a shame to be a man, that God, but the thing is, God made you a man. And if God made you a man, then own it and be a responsible man. We're also in this effeminate culture, emasculated. Tone it down, guys. You're too aggressive. Now, there's times where men can be aggressive and it's, it's a stink and it's a fault. And we just think, man, that guy's just, he shouldn't have done things like that. He shouldn't have talked like that. That was totally unnecessary. But having us believe something and believe it firmly and speak up about it and say, no, that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that in, in the Christian uh, circles. It should be that that is normal. 
but society has emasculated men and we believe the lie. He said, quit, you like men. Men, you're the gatekeepers. You're the gatekeepers of the home. You're the gatekeepers of the church and society. You need to challenge the secular worldview with the sword of the Lord, his word. Man, you're the visionaries. You're the one that can see out there where, where things need to go and what needs to happen. Man, you're the risk takers. You're not trying to hurt other people's feelings, but we are working by rationale and principle for the greater cause. Man, we're kingdom builders. We're supposed to be the ones that go out on the conquest. We're the ones fighting in the battle between good and evil and shouldering that burden. I mean, when you think about men of the church that quit themselves like men, whether or not you agree with everything doctrinally with these, there's no, there's no question that these people were manly, virtuous men. Martin Luther, William Booth, St. Paul himself of the scriptures, David Livingston, the one who went into Africa and blazed the trails, Richard Wormbrand in communist Romanian prisons for 14 years, William Tyndale burned at the stake, William Wilberforce heading against slavery, Charles Finney, the great revivalist uh, throughout the United States, John Bunyan, the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress and was in jail, Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave his life for his faith, Polycarp, uh, a disciple of John the Apostle, gave his, his life for the faith, Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, Wycliffe, Hudson Taylor, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, John Wesley, who, whom Spurgeon said, there is no one else like the apostle in these days except John Wesley. Francis Asbury, the same about that caliber of man. William Carey, the father of modern missions. These were men. They quit themselves like men. They stood up and they took the bull by the horns and they did the job. We should be reading these people's biographies. We should be inspired by these men and see that's biblical manhood. That's what I want. Virtuous, inward strength and fortitude. That's the manhood that God wants us to have. Not this cheap smoke of Marlboro, you know, uh, sex and, and drinking. And uh, This is garbage. This, this debases us. This is not what we're made for. We are to quit ourselves like men. Men, that you're, if you're listening, stand up, pray, ask God to help you be more like a man. I, I've had to ask God for that in my own life because Quite frankly, I've just realized more and more that I'm a product of our, of our culture. And I've said, Lord, I want to be the way you've created me to be, not be molded and shaped by things that these people don't have the manual. You do have the manual, the word of God. You've told us, you've created us and you tell us how everything works. I want to be that person. And then he says, quit yourselves like men and be strong. So men, be empowered. Fathers, be empowered. Be made strong. Be strengthened. Whatever that takes in character, even in physical things, even in our mental capacity, in our emotional capacity, all of it, be empowered, be made strong, be strengthened. That's what you need. That's what God wants for you. So what are we going to do, men? What are we going to do? Isaiah said, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. Children, meaning the young, the inexperienced rulers with little virtue and rigor of discipline. Women, and not always literally, but effeminate rulers whose gender was man, uh, you know, biologically. But And then, then there was the wives and concubines surrounding kings, Ahaz and Jezebel, Jotham and Athaliah. These women destroyed true virtue and leadership inside of society. We're in a society where male leadership is shamed. We have identity politics, trying to make you sorry or ashamed of things that you can't often even can't control. You're white, you're a male, you know, and, and I'm not even just saying this. I'm, I'm talking to all men, black men. I'm talking to people that are Hispanic. God has a, you are lifted way higher than what society makes us feel like. 
God, you're image bearer of God. If you are a man, then you are an oppressor by default. And if you're a white male, then it's even worse. This is not God's understanding. God tells men how to conduct themselves. Young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, shewing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Men, fathers, lead by example. Have your mind reprogrammed by the scriptures instead of this infected worldly system. Show your sons and daughters what it means to be a biblical man. Fathers-to-be, take up the mantle to show the world and the church what a biblical man is. We need you. We need you as the church. Society needs you. Lead the charge for the kingdom of God in the next generation. And father figures, adopt the lost boys of society and rally them behind the banner of Christ. John Wesley said, give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. Your next step is to call me 570-362-7782 or email me at gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want to get a coffee with you. I want to talk with you. I want to pray with you. I want to help you along in your journey. At least I can pass along to you the things that God has helped me through the scriptures and through my life to know and understand. But you need to walk with God. Men, you need to be men. And most of all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen sa forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.